Hey, we're glad you're here today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, I want to give you some old stuff. I want to give you some new stuff today. But a very important message that I want you to hear. God uh, began to speak to my heart about this message. Some of this you've heard before. But God began to speak to my heart about this message a number of weeks ago, and I just sort of made a note. Um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring this, and I knew he would show me when the time was right. So I want to talk to you about this subject today, how I know that I'm alive. How I know that I'm alive, or this subject, how to know beyond a doubt that you're a Christian. Somebody says, preacher, how can you know? I'm getting ready to tell you exactly how you can know that you're born again, how you know that you're saved. Romans chapter 6 in your Bibles, and uh, we're, we're going to be uh, very very pointed today. The Bible's very pointed. you know that? The Bible just tells it, tells it like it is. And now we change it, you know, and we try to sort of smooth it out, and we try to put icing on it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the truth of the matter is, the, Bible's just, uh, the Bible just tells it like it is, and uh, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says today, and, uh, and then you'll have to decide sort of what you do with it. But Romans chapter 6 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you'll stand, and we're going to read, uh, man, some wonderful scripture today. Uh, I was, uh, when I was in Bible college, we took a summer course, a summer school course, where Brother Howells had... Uh, I think he had six very successful pastors from around America came in, and we got to spend a week with each of those pastors. And I'll never forget, Dr. R.B. Willett came in, and we got to spend a week with Dr. Willett. And, uh, and I can still remember to this day, Dr. Willett talking to a classroom full of mostly younger ministerial students. And he said, young men, one of the best things you'll ever do is memorize Romans chapter 6. And read Romans chapter 6 and do your best to commit it to memory. And so I tried to start doing that. And so I've always, ever since then, I've always loved Romans 6. It always has a special place in my heart. And we're going to read some fantastic scripture this morning. Romans 6, verse number 1. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then Paul says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5 says, For if we uh, have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his what? Of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Uh, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And then verse 11, God uses some good old southern vernacular here. In verse number 11, he says, likewise reckon. Amen. 
Doesn't that speak to your heart right there? Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And I want you to say the next two words with me. Ready? But alive. Wow. Let's say those two words again. Ready? But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about this subject, how I know I'm alive. How I, you say, well, preacher, of course you're alive. But I want to tell you how I know I'm alive. And I'm going to tell you this morning that between me and the Lord, I also know something else. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm a child of God. I know that I'm born again. You say, preacher, nobody can know. Listen, just as much as I know that I'm alive right now, I know that I'm alive in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you how you can know that as well today. And so I hope you'll give me a good hearing, and I hope this will be a blessing. Our introduction is as important as the message is today. So uh, I hope you'll really give me a good hearing on the introduction as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll jump right into the Bible study today. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back in your house again today. And Lord, I, I want to say thank you for all the music, for the choir specials, for the special that Miss Mandy uh, just sang, for the beautiful uh, instrumental that Miss uh, Gay pr- uh, provided today. Lord, it's been a wonderful day. The fellas played before the service started. We were, we were already being ministered to even before the service really started uh, as far as the 11 o'clock hour is concerned. And so, Lord, thank you for the music. Father, thank you for the ministry that's went out this morning. All the radio stations, Lord, as we've been going out uh, on the radio stations all across America uh, earlier this morning and, and even some later on in the afternoon today. And then, Lord, thank you for all of those who ministered in the nursing homes. And, uh, Lord, just we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. The Sunday school hour. And now, Lord, as we come to this very crucial time of the service. Now, Father, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, arrest our attention Oh, Lord, I pray, as Brother Brandon's already prayed, that we would not be captivated by other things. But, Lord, help us to focus those things out and tune those things out. And I pray that, Lord, we would tune in to what you have for us. I believe I'm going to show to your people beyond a shadow of a doubt what the Bible teaches. And so, Lord, very simple, though. My preaching always is pretty much. I'm not a very deep preacher And so, Lord, I pray that you'll use these simple thoughts to convey a great message to our hearts today. Save that one that's nearest hell and encourage that one that may be discouraged. And I pray that you'll work through the live stream. And, Father, we pray you'd kill the nervousness that's in me. And and I pray that you'd give us a Holy Ghost boldness today. We praise you, Heavenly Father. You're worthy and we love you. In Jesus' name, We pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Well, I love Romans 6, 11. The Bible says, likewise, reckon. Likewise, reckon. Uh, That word reckon means to conclude or to take into account. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But I want you to back up a few verses, and I want you to, uh, I want to draw your attention to verse number five. Verse number five, and Paul the apostle here under inspiration of the Spirit of God in verse number five says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, 
we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Jesus was dead, but was resurrected to life again. Now, you say, Pastor, is is that important? I can't even tell you how important that is. Because really, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. It's, it's, it's what makes Christianity stand out from all other religions. Now, there are other things as well. But as far as the, the uh, cardinal thing, the, the capital thing, the cornerstone of our Christian faith is that we have a Savior that not only came and bled and suffered and died, but my dear friend, he came out of the grave. Now, there are other people that have other religions and they have other saviors uh, and some want to, uh, uh, they want to promote Muhammad and I don't know much about Muhammad. Muhammad may have been a great leader. I have no idea. They claim that he was a prophet. Uh, I, I, I would beg to differ on that. He may have been a good teacher. I'm not sure. Um, but I do know this. I know that when Muhammad died, he never came out of the grave. I do know that. Uh, and a lot of people want to really point to Joseph Smith, and they say that Joseph Smith had an experience, and he met with God, and God gave him the, uh, you know, gave him the book of Moroni and all these kind of things. And I don't know a whole lot about Joseph Smith, but I do know this. When Joseph Smith died, he stayed in the grave. And uh, I don't know a lot about Allah and Buddha and Hare Krishna and all these things, but I do know this. I do know this. When they died, they stayed dead. But when my Savior died and they placed him in a grave, he went ahead ahead of time and said, I'm going to the grave. But three days later, I'm coming out. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. The Lord Jesus Christ is a resurrected Savior today. He is a uh, living, resurrected Savior. We don't have to hope that. We don't have to think that. We don't have to suppose that. We can know that Jesus Christ is most certainly alive. Well, you say, preacher, I know you believe that because you're a Baptist preacher. Me being a Baptist preacher has one thing to do with that. And not one thing in the world to do with that. Now, you say, Pastor, how do we know that Christ was resurrected from the grave? Let me tell you how we know. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in your Bibles this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to give you undeniable proof on how we know that the Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave. Number one, I'm calling this written confirmation. Written confirmation. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And notice verse number three. The Bible says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Notice these words. According to the Scriptures. And that he was buried. Here it is. And that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Someone says, Pastor, how do we know that Jesus is alive? Because we have written confirmation. Written confirmation. I'm talking about the written confirmation of the Scriptures. Now, church, I'm going to be honest with you. Written confirmation to this very day is still a very important way of verifying verifying something. Um, If you are going to uh, no longer need a service of some kind, sometimes they'll say we need written confirmation. If you're going to change a password on your bank account or something like that, sometimes they will say, we need written confirmation. Uh, Your wedding license is a written confirmation of your legal union. 
Your driver's license really is a written confirmation of your driving privileges. Your, uh, or or my, my certificate of ordination is a written confirmation that I can carry out the offices of a pastor legally, that I can officiate a wedding. It is a written confirmation. Now, you say, Pastor, what's your point? My point is that God gave us a written confirmation. And he said, listen, I'm not just going to tell you that Jesus came out of the grave, but I'm going to give you written confirmation, and it's going to be confirmed, and it's going to be proved, and it's going to be positive that the Lord Jesus Christ beyond a shadow of a doubt is alive he's alive he is a risen resurrected savior not only written confirmation but how about number two visible confirmation we know that christ came out of the grave because of visible confirmation people saw him they saw him notice in first corinthians chapter 15 and verse number five the bible says and that he was seen of cephas peter then the Bible says, then of the 12. In verse 6, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain into this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me also as, as of one born out of due time. And so, listen to this, church. After the crucifixion of Christ, and the death of Christ and the burial, burial of Christ, it was confirmed that he was alive. And of course, back in this day and time, Jewish people believed that it was three days before the spirit departed the body. And so because of that, Christ stayed in the grave for three days and three nights. There was no mistaking it. He didn't just swoon. He didn't just pass out. Uh, the disciples didn't come and steal his body away. On the third day, my dear friend, Christ came out. And by the way, he didn't roll the stone away so he could come out. He rolled the stone away so you could see in. And Jesus came out. How do we know, preacher? Because we have visible confirmation. People saw him. They saw him after his death. But there's something else. Number, number next is this. We see verbal confirmation. People spoke of his resurrected life. You don't have to go there. I'll just read this for you. Matthew 28 verse 7 says, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. Verbal confirmation. Acts chapter 4 verse 33 says it like this, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There were verbal witnesses. People said, hey, I saw him. I saw him. And they testified of his resurrection. And so how about this? How about this? Not only that, but number, number next is this spiritual confirmation. What do you mean, pastor? We have the Holy Spirit that lives within us that bears witness that he's alive. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says it like this, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you're in Romans, or you're probably in Corinthians still, but turn back over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and notice verse number 4 this morning. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4. We have written confirmation, visible confirmation, verbal confirmation, and we have spiritual confirmation that Jesus is alive. Romans chapter 1, verse number 4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power 
according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now, again, uh, church, I want to lay this foundation. We know that Christ was dead, but he is now alive. He is a resurrected Savior. Now, important, very important. Let me tell you why. In the same way that we know that Christ is now alive, you can also know that you're now alive. And by the way, I would just ask you this morning just to have an open heart, open heart today. And I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt your salvation. In fact, if anything, I want God to confirm your salvation experience today. And I think that's what this will do for a lot of people. I believe this will confirm your salvation to uh, to a lot. But there may be one or two or some here today or some watching by way of the live stream. And uh, and I'm going to tell you how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, just like we know that Christ came out of the grave in the same way, I'm going to tell you how you can know that you are alive in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something, church, that I'm very concerned about. I'm concerned that in our churches, They are full of people with false professions. Now, nobody knows if you're saved except you and Jesus. I have no idea, and I can't tell, and I'm not your judge, and I wouldn't even try. But the Bible does give us some undeniable proof on how you can know you're alive. Now, you may be here this morning, and you say, Pastor, I've been baptized. And baptism is a wonderful thing. We're going to baptize again very soon. And boy, isn't it a blessing that we're baptizing? Isn't that that wonderful? But you can get baptized until every tadpole knows your name. but, But baptism is not what saves a person. And you can be the member of a church, and you may be the charter member, and and you say, Pastor, I'm very active in my community, and I'm involved in this group and this club, and, and, uh, you know, we're involved in charity work, and all that's great. I'm not knocking any of that. All that's wonderful, but the truth of the matter is you can be the most righteous person. You can be a great citizen, but you can die in your sin and go to hell. Now, I'm asking you just to be very open-minded today to the Lord, and let the Lord speak to your heart about this thing of salvation and how you can know that you're alive. I'm going to give you some what I believe are absolute evidences that I am no longer a dead person. Are you ready? Number one, I know I'm alive because I feel hungry. Now, I told you this wasn't going to be deep. But it's going to be profound. I know I'm alive because I feel hungry. I feel sort of hungry right now, to be quite honest with you. Now, you know what, church? If I don't eat, I'm talking about physically. If I don't eat for a while, you know what happens? Man, my stomach starts making these weird sounds. And, uh, and man, you'll be in a crowd somewhere, and all of a sudden, you, you, you know, you start getting those hunger pains. And so this week I went back, and I'm sure I'd studied this out before, but I went back and I looked it up again. And so what they tell us is, is that if you haven't eaten in a little while, that your brain, uh, your brain sends a hormone called ghrelin. I think that's right. And if you medical people probably can pronounce that better than I can. Ghrelin, ghrelin, something like that. And, uh, and uh, your brain uh, releases that hormone into your stomach and uh, and it, it tells your body, it's time to eat. You need to eat something. If you 
deny that hormone and say, I'm not going to eat, and you don't take anything in, the digestive juices of your stomach begin to attack the lining of your stomach. And that causes those weird sounds that you get. And that's called, we call it hunger pangs. And those hunger pangs begin. Now, you know what that's saying? It's time to eat. You haven't eaten in a while. You got so busy, you didn't eat breakfast, and you, were, you kept working, you didn't eat lunch, and, and you need something to give you some energy. It is time to eat. Now, in the same exact way, I know that I'm alive in Christ because, church, there are times when I get hungry spiritually. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Luke chapter 6, verse number 21, Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. I find myself from time to time getting hungry, getting hungry. You say, preacher, hungry for what? I'm talking about hungry for the things of God. I'm talking about hungry for this blessed book that, that I'm preaching from this morning. I thought about what Job said in Job 23, verse number 12. Job said, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I thought about what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I thought about what the uh, writer of the book of Acts said in Acts 17, 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. I'm going to tell you something. If I don't eat in this book, I get hungry for it. I mean, if I go a little a while and I haven't cracked open this cover and I haven't devoured some of this sweet book, some of this wonderful nourishment, if I haven't read this love letter that God gave to me, if I don't get in it, I'm going to tell you what, I get hungry. I get hungry. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt your salvation this morning, but I'm just saying this, that if you don't ever get hungry, if you don't ever get hungry, there's a problem somewhere. You say, pastor, I don't ever get hungry. For pizza. I don't ever get hungry for hamburgers. I don't ever get hungry for salad. I don't ever get hungry for any nourishment. I don't ever eat. Let me tell you what you are. You're dead. Did you know that you can't survive like that? Somebody says, Pastor, I, I'm very much alive. I haven't, eaten, I haven't eaten in three months. Let me tell you something. You may be a very well-meaning person, but, and I say this kindly, but you, my friend, are a liar. If you're not eating, you're dying. And if you're here this morning and you don't at least have an appetite, you may not eat as much as you used to eat. You may try to count your calories. You may try to, you know, you may try to pace yourself and, and exhibit self-control and all those things are good. And you may try to, you know, bring forth some moderation. All those things are great. But I'm just saying that if you don't at least have a desire, an appetite to eat, you know what that tells me? At the very least, it tells me somebody's sick. Somebody, sometimes people that are really, really sick, their family members will come and say, you've got to eat something. And they'll say, I'm just not hungry. I just, I, I feel sick. I don't think I can eat. You know what the problem is? They got a problem. There's, there's a sickness. Now listen to me, church. If you're here this morning and you say, preacher, I don't have one desire for that book right there. 
I, I can go for days and days and weeks and everybody with me? And I can go for a month and I don't have not one desire to get in that book. You know what I would do? I would check up today. Because if you're, listen, if you're really alive, you're going to be hungry. The psalmist said in Psalm 42 too, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before, before God? You know, one of the great things about, and we, we've said this before at Calvary, that for us at least COVID was good. Now, don't take that wrong. I know a lot of folks have been really, really sick with COVID. And I was one of them. But for COVID, for, for, for us, for Calvary, COVID was good because COVID made us stretch. COVID made us do some things that, that we had not done in the past. It made us branch out. And because of COVID-19, our church has greater outreach now than we had before COVID-19. But, but let me tell you something else great about COVID-19. One of the things that we discovered about COVID-19 or during COVID-19 was that we have some people at Calvary who are alive. You say, why, why do you say that? Because even in the midst of COVID-19, we had some people who were hungry. They were hungry. We had people reach out and said, preacher, can we come? And I said, well, we're really not having physical service. I know, I know. But would it be okay if we just slipped in the back? Would that be all right if we just came and slipped in the back? And I mean, preacher, I know that COVID's going on. I know that churches aren't meeting right now. But what do we need to do to give? And what do we need to do to serve? And can we come over and clean the church? And can we just slide in and, and listen to the message? I mean, can, can, can we just come? And, and we won't stay. We'll slip out of side door. But can we come? You say, preacher, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on there were some people who were alive they met Jesus Christ they were born again and because of that they had a hunger inside of them they were hungry for the things of God pastor how do you know you're alive because I'm hungry I get hungry I'll tell you something else number two I know I'm alive because I feel guilty you say pastor what do you mean well I hate to tell you all this, but every once in a while, I do some things that bother me about me. I, there are some things that I allow to happen. I should not. But there are some things that I allow to happen that cause me to feel guilt. Now, let me tell you what's really different about me and a corpse. A corpse feels no guilt. Do you know why a corpse feels no guilt? He's dead. You say, preacher, this is simple. I know, I know. Hang in there with me. Did you know that, that, did you know that a dead man never feels guilty for saying wrong things? Well, you say, why not? He never says, he never says wrong things. He's dead. A, a dead man never feels guilty for looking at wrong things. He never feels guilty for mistreating people. You know why? He's dead. He never, mistreat, never mistreats people. But there are times when I feel very guilty for my actions. And you know why? Because I have God's Holy Spirit living inside of me. Now, Calvary, listen to me and hear me out this morning. As a Christian, we ought to know what it is to experience Holy Spirit conviction. And if you don't experience conviction of the Lord, you know what it tells us? It tells us 
We're not alive. Now, I don't want you to take my word, but would you be willing to take his word? So I want you to take your Bibles this morning, turn over to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12. We believe this book is wholly inspired of God. And I want you to look with me, please, at Hebrews chapter 12. And the Lord uses some very pointed and some very strong language here, I believe, to make a point. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 6, he says, For whom the Lord loveth, Hebrews 12 verse 6, I want you to see this. The Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He chasteneth. Now, you look that word up for yourself in your devotions, but it's the idea of spanking. It's the idea of discipline, nurture, admonition, uh, a paddling. That's what it's talking about. For whom the Lord loveth, he paddleth. For whom the Lord loveth, he spanks. For whom the Lord loveth, he, he chasteneth. And then the Bible says, and scourgeth. Now, let me tell you something, church. Scourging is worse than chastening. We, you know what scourging is. The Lord Jesus Christ suffered scourging. At the cross, it was horrific. Sometimes men died from scourging back in, in, in Bible days. And so here, here's, here's what I believe the, the writer is trying to tell us here. Follow me now. There are times when if we get out of the will of God and we do something we shouldn't do, God says, you get back in there. That's chastening. Uh, my kids used to call it a bee sting. Or maybe a pop. You get in there like I told you to. By the way, it wouldn't hurt us to get back to that again. Can I just call a time out right there? And you say, well, I'll tell you one thing, preacher. I wouldn't lay a little finger on my kid. I know we can tell. And it's why we've got kids who are so rebellious now when they get to 20 and 21 and, and 25 years old. And it's why they won't give a police officer their license when a, when a police officer just says, can I have your license or registration? No, you can't. Go ahead, fly right you know why? I'll tell you why. Because somewhere along the line, parents have not taught their kids submission. And by the way, I'm not sure that our kids are going to learn submission by a timeout. My parents didn't know what time out was. Daddy took a time out before he beat us. Amen. Okay, back, back to the message. Back to the message. Chastening. That's chastening. Chastening is a pop. Chastening is a rebuke. Chastening is a swat. But there's something else God's teaching us here. That if we reject that beasting, if we, if God says, don't do that, and we rebel against that, God says, I've got something else. It's called a scourge. My dad knew what scourging was. They're watching right now. I, I, I can almost guarantee mom and dad are watching right now. By the way, greatest parents in the world. Dad never abused us, but he knew what chastening was, and he knew what scourging was. And there were times when dad would say, get with it, boy. Get with it. By the way, if you got the right kind of parents, and I, I thank God I did, the right kind of parents can just look. And you knew. 
That's code, that's code word. That's code. That's code for wait till I get you home. That's what that means. And it also meant I will not forget. And there were times when dad would there were times when dad would say, "Hey, stop that. Behave yourself." One time I was at the uh, I was at the lunch uh, uh, Sunday afternoon lunch table with uh, with our eating with our family and I said something off color and my dad said, "Leave the table." Done with dinner? Oh no. Leave the table. Go to your room without finishing my meal. Oh, this is good preaching this morning. A lot of good practical applications here. Now, let me tell you what that was. That was chastening. But then there were some other times where dad said, go to the bedroom. I knew what that meant. We might be outside doing something and dad found out about something I had done or, or some kind of disobedience and, and, uh, and dad would say, go to the bedroom. I knew what that meant. It wasn't beasting time. It wasn't swat time. It wasn't rebuke time. It was spanking time. Now, that's exactly what God is teaching here. God says uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, this is, listen to me, church. Hebrews 12, verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, comma, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Verse 8, very strong language here, verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, you are illegitimate. Then are ye bastards and not sons. In other words, someone says, preacher, I can sin and sin and sin and sin, and God doesn't bother me. Let me tell you something. If you can sin and sin and sin and sin, and your heavenly father doesn't bother you, the problem is this, he's not your heavenly father. You say, preacher, who do you think you are? I think I'm a little peep squeak. I'm a zero with the ring rubbed out. I'm nothing, but that book's everything. And that's, that's as clear as you can get it right there, my friend, that if you are here this morning and you claim to be saved and yet you can live any way you want to live and it doesn't bother you and God never chases you, God says you are none of mine. In fact, the Lord said there's going to come a day when many will stand and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and cast out devils in your name? And the Lord said, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. you know why Brother Ricky never has to worry about me disciplining his kids? They're not mine. You say, Pastor, would you come over to the house and discipline my kids? Not a chance. Not even a remote chance. I would never discipline your kids, although I may want to. Why would you never discipline my children, preacher? Because they're not my kids. 
But I see Samuel sitting back there. Now, Becca wouldn't know because Becca's not one of mine. She's my daughter-in-law, and we love her very dearly. But she didn't grow up in our home. But if you were to go to Samuel and say, your dad ever whip you? <laughs> He'd say, are you kidding? He got discipline. You know why? He's mine. Did y'all hear what I just said? He's mine. He belongs to me. Because I'm going to let my kids do anything I want to. But you go ahead, but not me. I care too much about my children. I want them to turn out to be something. I want, I want, them, to have, I want them to have some character. I want, them to, I want them to look like somebody and be like somebody and have some integrity and have some respect. And, and uh, you say, well, I, 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 well I, I hope it happens. It won't happen if you don't train them. But God says this. God says, you know what? If you don't ever receive, if you don't ever receive chastisement, you're not mine. Preach, how do you know you're alive? I know I'm alive because sometimes I feel guilty. Man, we got to hurry. Good night. I know I'm alive, number three, because I feel happy. Now, please don't take this wrong, and I don't mean this disrespectful. We're going to be involved in some funerals this week. I am not walking into the funeral home expecting these people that have passed to be happy. You know why they're not going to be happy? They're dead. Corpses are never happy. That's just a shell, by the way. Y'all know that, don't you? But I know I'm alive. You know why? Because there are some things that make me happy. I know that I'm alive in Christ because sometimes there are some things spiritually that make me very, very happy. I'm happy today. <laughs> you know why I'm happy? Because I'm here. <laughs> when I come to the house of God, it makes me happy. I can be going down the road, and man, I can put the nun sisters in, and they can start singing, wonderful, merciful Savior. You know what happens? I get happy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a much better worshiper in private than I am in public. I'm telling you that. And sometimes, man, I just worship the Lord uh, you know, in the spirit of holiness in the, in the truck. And, uh, and sometimes I listen to a message that happened just a few days ago. I was listening to a message, amen. And man, I just did a little holy dance right there in the bedroom. I mean, man, I'm telling you, I thought, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I was just praising God. I'm gonna tell you what, last Sunday, as Brother McKeon preached on this pulpit, I got happy. You know why? I'm alive. I'm alive. I know that I'm alive. Why? Because I am happy. Psalm 144, verse 15. Happy is the people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Man, it's terrible when you come with too much to give and too little time to give it. And Dr. Williams, Dr. Tom Williams is preaching in a meeting and, and uh, great service. And at the end of the service, there was a young man sitting on this side of the church. He's about 30-some years old. He stepped out and made his way to the altar to get saved. This church was a little bit more reformed. And Brother Williams said when that man, that young man, stepped out, didn't he make it all the way to the altar yet, but stepped out and started walking the aisle, he said there was a little old lady in the back of the service, and he said she was so old and so wrinkled, he said you could have screwed her hat on. I mean, that's how wrinkled she was. 
And he said, when that young man stepped out and started walking down the aisle, he said, that little lady got her hanky out. And she began to wave that hanky. And she began to shout. I mean, she began to shout. And he said the whole church was petrified. I mean, they didn't know what to do. They weren't used to that. And he said, men, folks were looking back like, whoa, what in the world? What's going on with this, this lady? She's just shouting. I mean, she's not bothered by anybody. She's just shouting and rejoicing and praising the Lord. And Brother Williams said, sister, he said, what are you shouting about? And she said, preacher, she said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for 37 years that that young man would come to Jesus. She said, that's my nephew and he's getting saved tonight. I've got a reason to shout. By the way, she did have a reason to shout. You say, Pastor, why was she shouting? I'll tell you why. She was happy. Why was she happy? Because she was alive. That's why. She was alive in Christ. If you are here this morning and the choir songs never move you and the instrumentals never touch you, and the specials up here never phase you, and the preaching up here never touches you. There's a problem. Are you sure you're alive? Let's bring this thing to a close. I know I'm alive because I'm hungry. I know I'm alive because I'm guilty. I know I'm alive because I'm happy. I know I'm alive because at times I feel anxiety. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. For I'm in a strait. Paul said, for I'm in a strait betwixt two. Paul said, I'm... I'm in a conundrum here. I, Paul said, I, I want to do this, but I want to do this. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But he said, I know you need me. And he said, I know you, I need to stay here and preach to you. But he said, I want to go be with the Lord. And I be, believe Paul knew what it was to experience anxiety. You know why? He was alive. I visit the hospital sometimes and people feel anxiety. And as I visit folks in the hospital, this is what they'll say, preacher, I just want to go home. Pastor, I just want to go home. And this is what they'll say. I can't rest here. I'm not, I'm not at home here. I just want to go home. Preacher, would you pray for me that I'll go home? You know what they're feeling? They're feeling anxiety. You know why they're feeling, feeling anxiety? Because they're alive. Did you know that because I'm alive in Christ, I feel a certain sense of anxiety? I'm very thankful for my life here. I've got the world's greatest wife. I've got wonderful children. I've got a beautiful home. I've got a great church that I pastor. But I'm going to tell you something, Calvary Baptist Church. I'm looking, looking forward to something far better than this. The songwriter said, this world is not my home. Oh, would you pray that God would give me my singing voice back again? And I'd just clear off a spot and sing, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, but I can't feel much at home in this old world anymore. I'm going to tell you what. Hey, I'm telling you, there's a better day coming. There's a better place coming. Hey, I thank God this is not it for me. I have a home in heaven that I'm looking forward to. Hallelujah. 
as a child of God who is alive in Christ, I'm looking forward to heaven. I read an interesting story this week. It said one of the early explorers of South Africa's ocean waters, his name was Bartholomew Dias. As Bartholomew Dias sailed around the Cape on South Africa, it was very stormy seas and his ship was threatened to be torn to pieces. And so as he sailed around the Cape, he named it the Cape of Storms. But years later, another explorer came that same way. His name was Vasco da Gama. And he changed the name to, from the Cape of Storms, he changed it to the Cape of Good Hope. Because he didn't get his eyes on the storms, he got his eyes on the jewels and the treasures of India. And you know what, Calvary, I want to encourage us today. Don't get your eyes on the storms. There is a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, I can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. I'm alive. But I'm also alive in Christ. Now I'd ask you a question. Are you alive? Are you alive? Hungry for everything. Hungry for food. Hungry for golf. Hungry for hunting. Hungry for fishing. Hungry for shopping. Hungry for video games. Hungry for making money. Hungry for new cars, new houses. Hungry for new clothes. But are you hungry for God? Are you hungry? Do you thirst after righteousness? If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I really don't know. I really don't know that I'm alive. I don't know that I've been born again then maybe today you ought to come to the Savior. Would you bow your heads with us all over the house? Father, thank you for this time we've had together. Father, help us today. God, I'm so thankful that we can know Jesus is alive. He's alive. He is a risen Savior. But Lord, Romans chapter 6 tells us this, that in the exact same way that we know Christ is alive, we can know that we're alive. So Father, today I pray that you would work in this invitation. I'm not trying to make not one person doubt their salvation if they're truly saved. Well, Lord, if there's one here and they just went through the motions... Years and years ago, they walked an aisle. Somebody signed a card. Someone told them they were saved. And for all these years, that's what they're putting their faith in. But they're not hungry. They're not thirsty. They never feel guilty. They never feel happy. And they never feel anxiety for wanting to go to heaven. Father, I pray today that you would confirm in their soul what needs to be done. And Lord, if there might be one here today in this place or one watching by way of live stream and they don't know that they know they're going to heaven, I pray today will be the day that they'll trust the Lord. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, how many are here today who would say, Pastor, first of all, if I died today, 
I know beyond a shadow of any doubt that I am saved. I know that I'm alive. I know that I'm alive. All those things you talked about, I can relate. There are times when I get so hungry for the things of the Lord. Pastor, I'm hungry today. Pastor, there are times when I feel so guilty. The Lord convicts me. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I feel ways I shouldn't feel. And the Lord convicts me of that. Preacher, sometimes, boy, things just light my fire and I get so happy. Preacher, I know that I'm alive. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved, would you slip your hand up right now? Pastor, I know that I'm alive in Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this question, though. How many are here today, though, and you would be honest right now? You'd be honest. And you'd say, Pastor Pope, I don't know for sure that I'm alive spiritually. I'm alive physically, but I don't know that I'm alive spiritually. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died that I would go to heaven. And I need your prayers today. I want to get this thing settled once and for all. I'm tired of the doubt. I want to get this thing settled. And you'd say, Preacher Pope, would you pray for me today? You'd slip your hand up right now all over the house. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Preacher, I'm not sure. I need to get it settled once and for all. Would you pray for me right now? You'd slip your hand up. Come on. Be honest. Be honest. Just raise it up and sort of wave it at me today. Pastor, that's me. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Anybody else? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Can I pray for you to slip your hand up right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you I won't come back and try to drag you down, and I would never do that. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me right now? You'd slip your hand up. Is there another? Anywhere? Can I pray for you? And so, Father, I pray for these that have raised their hands. Lord, as our personal workers, as they make their way to the front, God, I pray right now that you would work in the hearts of these that have very honestly, candidly, they've raised their hand and said they're not sure about heaven. Father, we would love, love, love to take the Bible and just show them how they can know. Lord, all those lies that Satan's telling them, all the things that, that he tells them that we will do, would you help them to realize that's, that's not what we're going to do at all. We just like to take the Bible and show them how they can know Christ. So, Lord, those that need to give their heart to Jesus right now, Lord, when we stand, I pray you'll give them courage to step out. And then, Lord, I pray you'd help Christians around our church to come as well. Lord, may they just come and gather around this old-fashioned altar and pray and say, Jesus, I'm saved, but would you make me more alive? God, would you make me more alive than I've ever been? Oh, God, would you revive me? God, would you strengthen me? And the Lord, would you, would you help me? So, Father, I pray you'll have your way now this invitation. And we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed. Let's stand today, if you would. Our heads are bowed. Folks are coming. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand and said, Pastor, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure about heaven. I want you to do something right now. I want you to take the first step toward the aisle. I'll promise you something. God will help you with the second one. Would you come right now? Would you come? Would you come? That's right. Folks are coming. That's right. Would you come? If you raised your hand this morning and said, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Would you come right now? Would you come? Lord, would you help me to be more alive than I've ever been? What a blessing to be hungry for the things of the Lord. Man. Isn't it wonderful, Calvary, when you can come to the house of God and it's not a drudgery? Man, you can't wait to get in the door. That's what it is. That's what it's like for so many of our people. And when you know Christ, that's how he'll make it for you. Man, it's not a drudgery to serve Jesus. Man, it's a joy. And it's no wonder the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Folks are getting some help. Folks are getting some help. Would you come while we wait? Father, I'm so thankful. Lord, I'm so thankful that you're dealing with hearts right now. Oh, God, may we never get used to it at Calvary. Father, I pray that you'll do your handiwork. Father, do that which only you can do. Father, save the lost. Encourage the saved. Lord, I pray you'd heal homes, strengthen individuals. Father, we're asking you for miracles right now. God, please work. Lord, there are others that need to come. And I pray, Lord, in the quietness of this moment, Lord, that you'll help these folks to step out, to make a move. Father, have your way, please. Give them help. Give them courage. We thank you, Lord. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. watching the live stream right now we're so glad to have you on watching today 
There's a number on the bottom of your screen, 704-327-5662. And we have some folks right now that are waiting right beside the phone, and they would love to take your call. If you'll call right now, we would love to pray with you. If you're watching this broadcast and you don't know Christ as Savior, would you call today? And we would love to, we'd love to talk to you about the gospel. If you're watching this broadcast and you've got a, what seems like an insurmountable burden right now, and you say, Pastor, it's so heavy, would you call us? We'd be glad to pray with you today, believe God with you. So, Father, I pray that you work, continue to work. Lord, we're so thankful that we're a part of a spiritual hospital. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you are meeting out healing right now. Oh, God, I pray that you'll, you'll work. Save, bless, comfort. We're so thankful, Lord, you're the God of all comfort. Father, help us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Heads are bowed. We're going to sing here in just a minute. Right before we sing, though, is there one more that needs to come? Pastor, the Spirit of God's been speaking to my heart, and I, and I should have stepped out a while ago, but I hadn't come yet. Would you come right now? We've got some folks up here that would love to meet you. sing that chorus this morning church all to Jesus I surrender let's sing it ready I raised my hand about that, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ. And I promise you something, church. We're not going to just prolong an invitation to prolong an invitation. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. Why don't you come? If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I have been saved, but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. I've never taken that first step of obedience, and I need to be baptized. I saw those folks get baptized last week, and, and I need to get baptized. Why don't you come? Pastor? We're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and we feel like it's God's will that we join with Calvary. If that's the case, we want to encourage you to come. We're going to sing that verse again, and if you need to come for any reason at all, we have some folks here to meet you. Let's sing it again. Ready? Here we go. Ready?
go in just a second. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Lord, it's always such a blessing to see hearts spoken to. And Lord, it's amazing how even while I was preaching, you're speaking to mine. Thank you for giving us of your precious Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that he confirms the message or the song as it's being preached or sung. And Father, thank you for doing that today. Lord, have your way now as we prepare to close this invitation and go to our homes. Father, I pray that you'll accomplish your will today. Lord, help no one to hold back. Lord, we hope that we'll make it back tonight. But it could be the Lord may come before tonight's service. And I pray we've done what we need to do. Father, have your way. Work in the tenderness of this moment, please. And we thank you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're going to bring this thing to a close. Is there one more that needs to make a move? We'd love to help you today. some help today we've been standing for a little while if you if you need to, to be seated if you need to be seated you go ahead that's fine that won't offend us standing for a while thank you for being uh, thank you for being the most patient church 
around. And I appreciate that. One of the reasons you're patient is because we know that what we've been doing the last 15 minutes or so is it's our, it's our touchdown. It's our Super Bowl. It's why we do everything we do around here because we want to get as many folks to Jesus and get folks help. And, and uh, a lot of folk are getting help today, getting ministry today. And so we thank the Lord for that. So thank you for being patient while, while all that was going on and while the Lord was working. Thanks for being a church. Somebody mentioned this um, Somebody mentioned this this week about the time, and they were joking, by the way. They were joking. They were talking about my length of sermons. And, uh, and I told them, I said, if I even mention that I'm fighting the clock, I said, our guys in the back will take the clock and set it down where I can't see it. And uh, so anyway, we've got some decisions up here today. Miss Janie, come on up here if you will. Most of you know this uh, young lady. This is Miss Janie Speaks. And we're so glad that God has sent her our way, and, uh, and uh, she's a blessing to be around. She really is. She's got a sweet spirit about her, and uh, Miss Janie has been saved. She's been baptized, and she feels it the will of God to join with this church at Calvary Baptist Church, and, uh, and I, I couldn't be more excited about that. Very, very sweet family. And so uh, if, you, uh, if someone wants to make a motion on that, Brother Mike Hersey, I saw your hand first. Brother Ricky, you second that today? And all in favor of that, say amen. 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 Well, Miss Janie, I'm going to give you the right hand of fellowship here. It's good to see you. And uh, you can go back here and sit beside Miss or stand beside Miss Tamara. And uh, I'm not going to ask her to stand up here in front of the church, but after the service, if you'll find Miss Janie and love on her a little bit today, that'd be a blessing. And uh, Miss uh, Jean, come on up, if you will. And uh, likewise, most of you know Miss Jean Redmond. Jean's been coming now for a while. And uh, she came today, and this is what she said. She said, Pastor, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. First of all, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. And then she said, I know it's God's will that I join, that I join with this church. And she's been saved. She's been baptized. And so do I hear a motion this morning that we receive Miss Jean into the membership? (laughs) All right, Brother Donnie, and do we have a second on that today? All right, Brother Brandon, we'll let you second that. All in favor, say amen. amen. All right, Miss Jean, let me be the first to give you a right hand of fellowship there. And you find Miss Jean after the service and welcome her in. And uh, listen, we hope you have a great afternoon and love on somebody before you leave today. Calvary, let's make sure all of our visitors get a big welcome uh, before they leave. And then, Lord willing, we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. And we'll be back in our series on heaven tonight, Lord willing. So I hope to, hope to see you in the Lord's house. All right. Brother Brandon, why don't you come dismiss us in prayer, if you will. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for the great message that we just heard. Lord, I thank you, Lord, so much for your convicting spirit. God, I thank you, Lord, to to know that I am alive. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's one here, Lord, I just feel that there may be another one that is unsure of their salvation. They're unsure of their eternity. God, I know their heart is beating through their chest, and they can't wait for this service to end. God, I pray, Lord, that they won't exit the property. They won't leave the property without finding one of us. We can take the Bible and show them how they can have a home in heaven forever and a peace that passes all understanding and a joy that is is unspeakable. 
God, I pray, Lord, that you dismiss us all with your blessings. Lord, may we take what we've learned this morning, Lord, and share it with others. And Lord, may we just live a full and victorious Christian life through you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you dismiss us with your blessing. Keep us safe as we all go home. But Lord, bring us back excited for tonight's service. Lord, I pray that you just help there. And even now, begin to soften our hearts and work, work on each one of us, Lord, so we can get something from the service. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you have done. But God, we look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. And Thank you for joining us today. We consider it an honor to serve you. And our prayer is that the service was a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you were impacted today by the preaching of God's Word, we encourage you to respond. If we can pray with you, or if you would like to make a decision today for Christ, please call us here at 704-327-5662. We have people waiting right now on the lines prepared to help you. Again, thank you for joining us today, and we hope to welcome you again soon. Have a wonderful week.